God bless you. I um, have my first opportunity to say happy 30 years of celebrating what the, what the power of God has been doing in your life. And, and to my brother and Pastor Greg and, and to his wife, thank you guys so much for trusting in me. And, you know, I am grateful that he is there right now ministering the gospel, showing the power of God's grace. Uh, today, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge your thinking. I want to challenge your life of grace because grace people, we've got to learn how to be gracious people. And when you're gracious, you don't get caught up in all of the fights that everybody's having. You learn how to be empathetic. You learn how to say wonder what it was like for that person to go through what they had to go through, recognizing that a person didn't just end up at a, at a bad place all of a sudden. What did that drug addict have to go to? Wonder what it was like. What did he, what did he have to experience to end up where he was? I want to challenge you with something that I believe is, it will happen in the end times. I believe that it will impact this nation, but I want to be very, very clear this morning that your trust, my trust, is under attack. Your trust for God. Satan does not want you to trust God. He don't mind you trusting anything else, but when you put your trust in Jesus, demonic influence is gonna show up all over the place to try to change your mind. And today, we're not gonna let that happen. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we thank you for this uh, another opportunity to minister to these your precious sheep. Thank you, Lord, that revelation knowledge will flow freely, uninterrupted and unhindered by any satanic or demonic force. And I pray, Lord, that you will speak through my vocal cords and think through my mind. None of me and all of you, it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. So good to be here. If you look at the book of James, chapter 5, James chapter 5, last year uh, when I came here, I had three tumors in my body, cancerous tumors. Today I stand with zero cancers and zero tumors in my body, amen. I trust God. James chapter 5, verses 1 through 8, I'm going to read out of the NLT. Now, he's, he's, this is a warning to rich people who love money and trust in their riches. A warning to rich people. It's not a warning to people to have money. It's, it's, it's a warning to people who love money. There's a difference. It's a warning to people who trust in their money more than they trust in God. And look what he says. Look here, you rich people, weep and groan with anguish because of all of the terrible troubles ahead of you. He says in verse 2, I'm going to read down to the verse, he said, Your wealth is rotting away, and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Verse 3. He says, Your gold and silver are corroded, 
The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded with will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxuries, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. Verse six, you have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Verse seven, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. And then he finally says, you too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Isn't it interesting <laughs> that as he talks about the coming of the Lord, he begins to address the love of money, the motivation to trust money more than you trust God. And there are several scriptures you'll see this morning where he talks about that this is something that you will see in the end time, people loving themselves and loving money. The real issue is it's a battle over your trust. Who will you trust? What's, who will you trust when systems begin to fail in this nation? Who will you trust when things you could depend on that you can no longer depend on? I mean, you, you could depend on going to the grocery store and getting you some spaghetti. It's right there. Who do you trust when the spaghetti ain't on the shelf no more? Who will you trust? And it's easy for us to become religious-ized and we say we trust God, but we've never really put that to test. I believe that I have in this house with me this morning people who have decided to trust God. You've gone through some things, but you know it was only God that bought you out of the stuff you went through. You have been put in a ditch, and you know it was only God that delivered you up out of that ditch. Amen? We're going to trust God. So I call this this morning, depending upon God, as your source. This is something that will begin as soon as next month. Begin to trust God as your source. Now, let me lay this foundation. The very nature of grace demands dependence upon God. The very nature of grace. Romans chapter 4 and verse 16, if you'll flip over there with me and allow me to, to lay this foundation. Romans chapter 4. And verse 16, he says in verse 16, so the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of Moses if we have faith like Abraham's faith. So we receive the promise by faith. Everything that grace has made available to us all, we receive it by faith. We take hold of it by faith. Now, grace has made everything you'll ever need in your life. Everything you'll ever need, the grace of God has already provided for you. But we, we appropriate what grace has made available through our faith. Grace makes, but faith takes. 
Faith takes what grace has already made, amen? And so whether it's your healing, your deliverance, whatever it is, it's already been given to us as a gift from God, but we apprehend it, we take hold of it with our faith. And then look what happens in verse 18. I'm gonna read through 22. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him righteous. Now, grace, being God's infinite and unmerited provision, grace is God's unmerited, abounding provision in the, the unrestricted operation of his love that comes through Jesus Christ, but it will function especially for those who depend on him. I depend on him. I said, I depend on him. And so what we understand here is that it is, this grace is complete in itself without any addition from anybody. We didn't bring anything to the table. Grace is sufficient all by itself. Grace is a person. His name is Jesus. And sometimes we, we thought, well, I just, I got to, I got to help Jesus out. And, and you don't understand that before you even bought anything to the table, it was already complete. It is complete in itself without the addition of anything by man. It is only because of his grace that God asked man to live in dependence upon him. Since he's already gotten everything done, he said, hey, depend on me. I know you've been dependent on this. I know you've been dependent on that person, but I am grace. I got everything you ever gonna need, depend on me. In other words, give me a shot. You've been giving everything around you a shot. You've been giving everybody that you know a shot. And here I am full of grace and truth. I got everything you'll ever need. How about depending on me for a while? How about depending on me when, you, when, when your baby need a pair of shoes? Look, you got a light bill due. You even got a gas bill too. Telephone disconnect. Wait until your next paycheck, paycheck bounce on you. Depend on me when the doctors say you're going to be dead in three months. Depend on me when your job laid you off without a good explanation. Depend on me when it looked like your children are on their way to hell in a handbasket. He said, depend on me and I'll do something that may look like a dream in your eyes, but it'll be a reality, praise God. <laughs> depend on him. So it's grace, that's God's part. And it's us depending on him, that's our part. 
Grace is God's part. Me depending on him, that's my part. Now, I got to looking at that one day, and I asked myself, do you really depend on God? I dig into that because I, I don't want to perfect phoniness in my life. We got enough of that in this country. I don't want to perfect phoniness. Do you really depend on God? Do you trust him? Do you lean on him? Do you rely on him? Glory be to God. I, I went through a series two years and uh, I had blood clots around my lungs, uh, micro blood clots. It's a lot of this stuff I never even shared with people. And uh, my oxygen level got down real low. Taffy said, baby, you, we need to go to the, the doctor. I said, no, I'm, I need to find out what Paul knew, that his grace is sufficient. I said, if I go to the hospital, Taffy, I know I ain't coming back. I said, I'll be fine. I, look, we're going to trust God. Next morning I got up, it all cleared up. Listen, and after that was over with, as soon as that was over with, I was attacked with shingles. If you ever had shingles, you know shingles is the devil. It was a perfect pattern from my spine under my arm to the sternum of my chest. I had meetings to go to and I said, I need to know your grace is sufficient. And I was past the infection stage, so I, you know, got on the plane and kept preaching. I sat down, people were trying to figure out what was wrong, but I ain't telling them. I'm just gonna go and preach, praise God. And uh, then God delivered me from that. And then right after that, I mean, they came right behind one another. Then I. We went to do my checkup and found out I had cancer for the second time with three tumors that were eating my nutrition. And uh, boy, that was something. And uh, I said, well, I got to trust God. I got to believe in God. I, I got to depend on God. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to handle this thing? How do you want me to go this way? And then I had a, a friend of mine who's a... <clears throat> in oncology and, and radiology is number one and two in the world. And I kept his number on my desk all that time for about three and a half years. No, more than that, 12 years. Never moved it. I looked at the number. God said, I had you to keep that there for a reason. Give him a call. He told me about a procedure that very few people in, in the world know about. And I had the procedure. And I stand right now before you completely and totally well. Why? His grace is sufficient, and all I needed to do was depend on him. Sounds like a simple message, but, but, but watch the attack. Look, look how the enemy has set us up. Now, now watch this carefully now, because I say your, your trust is under attack. Grace on God's part, dependence on my part. Now, let's look at James chapter 1, verse 17. Uh, if you have it in the message translation, that'd be cool. James 1.17 in the message translation. I, I love to open my Bible up and look at the scripture because I, I just want to show people I didn't make this up and pull it out the air. <laughs> James chapter 1, uh, he, said, uh, he said, so my very dear friends, don't get thrown off course. 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 Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. There is nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off 
as the crown of his creatures. Now, watch this. Hebrews chapter 13 and 15. Mm -mm. So God's good. God's real. This is not fantasy here. Whatever he promised you is not a fantasy. It's going to happen. Praise God. You can trust in him. Nothing fickle about him. Amen. Oh, we, we love trying to live by fantasies. You know what I'm saying? All these fables, but God's not a fable. Praise God. I said God's not a fable. Now, look at Hebrews 13, 5 in the Amplified, if you have it. Hebrews 13, 5 in the Amplified. And then 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 in NLT. And then I think that'll be enough evidence for me to go preach. All right. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money. What? Let your character and your moral disposition be free from the love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions. And be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have, for he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, nor relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. I don't think y'all heard what I, I don't think everybody said. In other words, you, you, the love of money, you, you don't have to trust money because I will not, I will not, I will not leave you without support. I will not, I will not let you down. I will not relax my hold on you. You don't need to have love for money. Have love for me because I got you. I'll support you. I'll hold you up. I will take care of you. Now look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 1 through 5, the love of money. I got tired of hearing the love of money, not knowing what it was. When, when most of the time we heard love of money, immediately you thought it was money. And I'm going to show you how Satan has pulled the wool over your eyes. Watch this. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. And then we're going to rock and roll, all right? You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Now listen to me, folks. You can cast out devils, but you can't cast out prophecy. Well, you know, the Bible says they're going to be difficult times, but we're going to call prayer and fasting meeting so that won't happen. No, no, no. If he said it was going to happen, it's going to happen. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will will love only themselves, watch this, and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedience to their parents, ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others, have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, love pleasures rather than God. They will act religious. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> but they will eject, re reject the power that, would, or that could make them godly. 
Stay away from people like that. Don't let that become a part of your life. All right, now, we have, look at this phrase, love of money. It keeps coming up. But here in Hebrews 13, 5, this, 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 this God of grace, God's commitment to us to take care of us if we depend on him. Now, let me show you some things about this love of money. I want you to listen to me very carefully now. Money is a competitor for our hearts. It's competing for your hearts. But it's not just money, it's the love of money. What is the love of money? Somebody said the love of money is money. No, if the love of money was money, we would all be in trouble because you get up every morning and get dressed, take a shower, brush your teeth and gargle, and go get some of that money. <laughs> money is not evil. Money is not evil. What's evil is when you don't have enough money to turn no heat on in a cold day like this. That's evil. <laughs> What's evil is when your wife need to get her hair fixed and her wig and everything all messed up and you ain't got no money to help a gentleman. That's evil right there. What's evil is when I'm hungry and ain't no food in the refrigerator. That's evil. So we're talking about the love of money. What is the love of money? It is, it is about trust. The love of money is when you trust money more than you trust God. The love of money is when you have assigned a greater value to money than God. In other words, you depend on and trust money more than you depend on and trust God. So it's about trust, to trust money more than God. Money is not, not bad, but loving money is. Somebody says, well, uh, I need to figure out if I got a love of money. See, money's like a hammer. It can help you or hurt you. But do I have a love of money? Well, I don't know why we're talking about money in church. There you go again, Creflo Dollar, up here talking about money again on church. Well, the Bible has 2,350 scriptures in the Bible on money. And I'm like, what have we missed? Why so many? Watch this now. Let's find out if you got the love of money. Can I do that? I want to get practical now. All right, get your shield up. This might slap you. <laughs> Here's the evidence that you have a love of money. Number one, you let a paycheck direct your decision rather than God. You let a paycheck direct your decisions rather than God. Number two, Money makes you anxious and fearful. It makes you anxious and fearful. I don't know, maybe a few of you are getting a little anxious right now. Why are you talking about money? Why, why try? It makes you anxious and fearful. Oh, he's going he, oh, he to ask me for my money. I, 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 I'm not going to ask you for nothing. You ain't got to give nothing if you don't want to give nothing. But what is that anxiety and fear that comes up? Number three, you are obsessive about building wealth. 
Number four, this is obvious. You've cheated, lied, and stolen to get wealth. You've cheated, lied, and stolen to get wealth. Number five, you feel stingy. Number six, you don't give in offerings. You find some way to tell yourself it's all right that you ain't giving in offerings. No, that's a love of money. Well, Jesus ain't never said nothing about giving in no offering. In fact, Jesus ain't never said nothing about no money. Why are you talking about money? Jesus ain't never said. No, no, not only did Jesus say something about money, but I'm going to show you where he was looking in the offering plate as people were giving. <laughs> look, at, look at Matthew real quick, 12. Mark, excuse me. Go to Mark 12 and verse 41. Mark chapter 12 and verse 41. People took of me. Jesus ain't never. No, no, he sat right there. Verse 41, look at this. Jesus sat down near the collection box. I said, Jesus sat down by the collection box. For all you like, well, well Jesus ain't here. He sat right by the collection box because he wanted to see how you give. Now, some of you would get offended if your neighbor looked at you while you were getting ready to do your offering. Like, don't be looking at me. What I give is my private business. Well, it, Jesus not only sat down by the collection box back then to see how they give, but he's still looking. He's still looking. He's still watching. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in a large amount. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, come here, y'all need to see this. He said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. So Jesus determined a good offering, not based on what you put in the box, but based on what you had left over. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't get quiet now. I ain't even got started yet. You pursue, when you have a love of money, you pursue security and comfort over God's plans and purposes for your life. Somehow you think that, you know, money can just buy you everything. And money can't. Money can, money can buy you a house, but it can't buy you a home. Money can buy you medicine, but it can't buy you healing. You follow what I'm saying? And yet there is something that gets on people that causes them to trust money more than they trust God. Money, for Christian people, money is attracted, not pursued. And what happens is when you start pursuing money, it becomes a spirit of mammon a spirit of mammon. Now, for a long time, people thought that when the mammon was used, it was referring to money. But mammon is the spirit or the motivation behind trusting money more than you trust God. Let me give you a little history on this mammon. Mammon is an, an Aramaic word meaning riches. 
And at the heart, there's an attitude behind mammon that says, man doesn't need God, we're self-sufficient. And this is what the spirit of mammon tries to tell us. The spirit of mammon says, you don't need God, trust in riches. Mammon was actually the name of the Syrian God of riches and money. And in Revelations chapter 18, the city of Babylon shows a city or a world given over to the spirit of mammon with all of its greed and avarice, an unhealthy relationship and trust with the material world. You can serve mammon instead of serving God, but it's impossible to serve both God and mammon at the same time. And there is no middle ground. And there are lots of people in our country that are completely numb to the spirit of mammon. There is a demon that has been loose for ages. It's called mammon. And we haven't even paid attention to it. And slowly but surely it has creeped into our hearts and become the motivation. And all of a sudden I can have trust God because if that doesn't work, money. My goodness. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. Mammon is in direct contrast with the Spirit of God. Mammon is in direct contrast with the Spirit of God. Mammon says buy and keep. But God says sow and reap. Mammon says cheat and steal. But God says give and receive. Mammon is looking for servants. It wants to rule your life. It wants to take the place of God. God was talking in Luke chapter 16. If you can't be faithful of the little, you won't rule much. He says, if you cannot be, you're going to have to serve either God or mammon. He's not talking about money directly. He's talking about you're going to serve God, subject yourself to yield to God, or you're going to subject yourself to yield to mammon. And most Christians are completely blind and unaware of the demonic influence of mammon trying to attack your trust in the Almighty God. My goodness. That rich, that, that woman with the, the few coins, widow's mite, she had no choice but to trust God because there was no money to trust. Mammon is selfish. God is generous. Mammon tries to take God's place by promising us everything that only God can give us. Mammon tries to promise you security, but only God can give you real security. Mammon tries to promise you significance, but only God can give you real significance. 
Mammon tries to promise you identity, but only God can give you real and true identity. Mammon will try to promise you power, but only God can give you power over all of the power of the enemy and nothing will by any means hurt you. Mammon tries to promise you freedom, but only God can give you real freedom. Money is not our security. God is our security. And those who know this now will be prepared for whatever falls, whatever fails. Money will fail you. Systems are going to change. Systems of currency are going to change. You want to hurt this nation? Hit it where the money is concerned because you have people who will be willing to do anything for the love of money. But let me tell you something right now, ladies and gentlemen. Let's make up our mind right now. I don't serve mammon. I don't trust money. I don't serve mammon and I don't trust money. I don't, because mammon's trying to get me to trust money. I'm not going to trust money. I'm going to trust God. I don't want anything that I can't give when God tells me to. Because I'm not going to be a servant to a car. I'm not going to be in bondage to a house. I'm not going to go out and get in debt trying to impress somebody who doesn't care. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I will not be a servant to money. My God is the one I trust. My God is the one that delivered me. My God is the one that healed me. And when you can be motivated by God and trust in God, then God can trust you with money. Oh, yeah. Now, if you can go on the Internet right now, people are going crazy. God, dog, are you talking about money again? How are you talking about money again? Jet. That's all they can say. Just keep on bringing up the same old dumb stuff without any understanding. But me and Taffy, we will never be a slave to money. That's why we are such big givers. Giving keeps us out of the seduction of mammon. Every time mammon tries to become our motivation, we give it. We give it. It keeps us out of that place. I will not serve mammon. I will only serve God. I serve God. Listen, I serve God with money, but I'm not going to serve mammon with money. I'm not going to do it. I will not do it. Now, that doesn't mean, well, praise God, uh, you know, I guess we're going to have to be poor like Jesus. Please read your Bible. Jesus was not poor. <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, the Bible says that he went to a village and, and, and they, they, they didn't have nowhere to lay their head. Oh, honey, oh, dear heart, you missed the whole thing. They went to the village. There was a, there was a lot of racism going on with the, the Samaritans and some other folks. And they went to the village and they saw that they were Jews. And he said, uh, y'all can't stay here. And Jesus said, wait a minute. Well, first of all, he had to get, get his disciples under control because one of them said, do you want us to call fire down like Elijah did? And Jesus had to rebuke us. He said, you don't know what spirit you are of. Jesus said, foxes have holes in this village. The birds of the air have holes in this, uh, birds of the air uh, have a, a place in this village. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. 
so let's go on to the next village. It wasn't because he was broke and poor. It was because they didn't want him in their village. Are you listening to me? And besides, what does a poor man need with a treasurer? To keep, what, to keep up with his lint? No, no. And, and Peter certainly wasn't happy to see Jesus go because tax time, every time tax time come, Peter thinks about Jesus. Jesus paid his taxes. Amen. But what about a Christian who's blind, blinded by mammon, no longer trusting God? It just becomes something he says out of his mouth, but it's not in his heart. Because the Bible says wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Mammon. Mammon's been driving this system for such a long time, and it, and it got into the churches. It got into the churches where all of a sudden we came up with all these grand schemes of how to take up a big offering because really the thing that mattered the most was so we could get the money. God called, if God called the ministry, God's responsible for taking care of the ministry. My attitude, my wife's attitude is this. It, 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 listen, if God wants it to happen, he got to pay for it. I'm not going to get on television and say, won't you help me? Won't you help me? Oh, won't you help me? I ain't doing that. I'd rather slap myself 10 times than to get up there and do something like that. If God called it, he got to take care of it. He got to pay all the bills. I don't care. When the pandemic came, it's like, all right, well, we had a good, good run, God. But if you want this thing to exist after the pandemic, then you got to take care of it. We serve you. We trust you. We are not going to serve or trust mammon or put our value in money more than we value God. Are y'all balancing this right? Now look at uh, Philippians chapter 4. I got about 10 minutes. Ooh, Philippians chapter 4. You ought to spend like a month with me teaching this. I wrote a book on this, but didn't nobody buy it. Because they thought I was getting ready to talk about money. I was getting ready to talk about the demon influence that wants to attack your trust in God. Philippians chapter 4.19 in the NLT. Philippians 4.19 in the NLT. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. You know what he said here? My giving is a response to God's ability to take care of me. When you believe that God can take care of you, you can respond. My giving is my declaration of dependence on God. God is committed to our care. Say this out loud with me. God is committed to my care. Say it again. God is committed to my care. I don't know what kind of issue you will have to face in these upcoming months and years. But you need to remind yourself, God is committed to my care. He will take care of me. Don't look at an empty wallet and think that it's all over. God is committed to my care. Look at Isaiah 46, 3 through 13 in the NLT. Isaiah 46, 3, to, 3 through 13 in the NLT. See, giving is hard to do when you're not sure that God can take care of you. Yeah, that's hard. It's hard to do. Giving is hard to do 
when you're not sure that God can take care of you. Your trust in God will cause you to be successful. And whatever confronts your life must encounter your dependence upon God as your source. Whatever confronts your life, I had sickness to confront my life, and they had to contend. They had to encounter my dependence upon God. Whatever trouble you come into, they're going to have to encounter your dependence upon God. You might want to warn those devils. Now, watch out now. If you're going to come mess with me, you are going to encounter my trust and dependence upon a God who is committed to take care of me. Ooh, Jesus. All right, now watch this. This is so good. Listen to me, descendants of Jacob, all you who remain in Israel. I have cared for you since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. That's awesome. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. Glory to God. I will carry you along and save you. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Some people pour out their silver and gold and hire craftsmen to make a God from it. Then they bow down and worship it. They carry it around on their shoulders, and when they set it down, it stays there. It can't even move. And when someone prays to it, there's no answer. I can't, it, it, can, it can't rescue anyone from trouble. Do not forget this. Keep it in mind. Remember this, you guilty ones. Remember the things I have done in the past. How many of you can remember some stuff God's already done in the past? I'm asking, for you, I'm asking you to have a flashback right now. Have a flashback on what, what God has already done for you in the past. It may look kind of crazy where you are right now, but sometimes you need to just pause and have a flashback. God delivered me five years ago. He set me free three years ago. He made a way out of nowhere a year ago. Last week, he was the supplier of all of my needs. Have a flashback. Count your blessings. For I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Oh, hallelujah. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. Glory to God. For I do whatever I wish. I'll call, I'll call a swift bird of prey from the east, a leader from the distant land to come and do my bidding. I have said what I would do. He said, and I will do it. He said, I said it, I'll do it. He said, listen to me, you stubborn people who are so far off from doing right. Oh, Lord. <laughs> For I'm ready. I'm ready to set things right. I don't know if you're ready for things to be set right, but God says, I am ready to set things right. I don't know what's going on in your life, but God is ready to set things right. Not in the distant future, he said, but right now. He says, I'm ready to save Jerusalem and to show my glory to Israel. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, he's ready. Whew. So he's committed to taking care of us. 
just needs us to depend on him. Romans chapter 8, 32 in the NLT. Life cannot be all about you trying to get your bag. Excuse me for the older people. Your money. <laughs> Since he did not spare even his son, his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? He said, do you not see this? I gave you my son. And you worried about whether or not I'm going to give you the money to pay your rent. The highest some of us can think with our faith is I'm believing God for a car. That's it? A car? That ought to be like the wet with the water. Honey, you get into Jesus, then all these other things shall be added unto you. And you're going around here using your faith to just try to believe God for a car just for you? Is that, the, is that the sum total? Is that how high you can go? My God, I'm believing God for nations. I'm believing God for, for, for things happening in this country where man can't even think of an answer for God to supernaturally put it into somebody's heart and things happen. Just got that little bit of small faith, that teeny-weeny faith. You need to practice big. If you go by Burger King drive-thru today, don't be talking about give me a small Whopper. <laughs> what would it call Whopper Junior? Small fry. And how much is a cup of water? <laughs> Biggest size everything. Even if you don't eat it, big, get your brokenness out of the way. Biggest size everything. I want you to biggest size my drink, biggest size my sandwich, biggest size my fries. Add, add some, add some uh, onion rings with the fries while you're at it. It's time to expand your capacity to receive. One of the problems with your receiving is your capacity is too small. Ah, for what God wants to do, your capacity is too small. You're still thinking about something so small. I'm, I'm expanding my capacity, praise God. I'm not going to be going after one tree in the garden when I got all these trees in the garden. I'm expanding my capacity to receive. Ooh, I don't preach myself happy. Have faith in this, and you'll be successful in navigating through any hard times or challenges. Have faith that he gave us his son. He gave us his son. I'm sitting up there thinking like, Lord, you love me. You love me. Ain't no blood clots going to kill me because you love me. Watch what I'm saying now. You love me. Ain't no cancer going to kill me. You love me. I went to the doctor Grace, I've got to tell you, I went to the doctor to get my checkup after the operation. And, the, and, and, the, and the, uh, the radiologist looked at the scans and he, saw, he said, mm, mm, mm. I said, what's going on? He said, the only time I've seen this is with people who are dying. I said, the devil is a lie. I said, look at me. I had just finished working out too, so I had my little shawl shirt on. I said, look at me. 
I said, do I look like I'm dying? He said, no, you're a good looking man. I'm like, all right, doc, watch it. <laughs> looking like I'm going to die? Who says that? I was just freaking out, like, who says that? You don't get somebody in a room and talk about you look like you about to die. <laughs> I came home, my daughter was in the kitchen. She said, hey, Dad, how did it go? I said, well, the doctor said it looked like I'm about to die. She said, what? <laughs> I said, baby, that's a, that's, a, that's a lie from the pit of hell. All Satan is doing is getting upset because I am realizing where my power and my strength come from. <laughs> Hallelujah, glory to God. He is upset because I've realized that I don't trust in horses and chariots. I don't trust in the systems of the government. I don't even trust in people and what they say. I trust in the almighty God. I trust in the one that has saved me, sanctified me, delivered me and filled me with the Holy Ghost. I trust in the one that went to hell for three days and three nights and got up on the third day with all power in his hands. I trust in Jesus, praise God. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my beginning and my end. I trust in him. I trust in him. You do the same thing. Put your, little, put your little fables down. Quit using the scriptures to beat everybody up. Well, the Bible says, I got hush. What did he say? When's the last time you heard a rhema from him? Because before it was written down, it was a rhema. And he went from rhema to logos, wrote it down, so you can at least get in the logos so you can get back to the rhema. Don't come telling me what was written. I know what's written. I want, I want you to know about an intimate relationship with God. Where he can take the promises and directly relate them to your situation right now and call you by your name. Uh, listen, breakthroughs don't happen because of the word of God. Listen to me. Breakthrough happens when you get a word from God. Thank God for the word of God because the word of God will take me in the bedroom, the place of intimacy where I can get a word from God. But you don't read nothing about somebody getting a breakthrough just by the written word, but it's when that written word became rhema word. It was when that written word became fresh manna. It was when that written word, God spoke it to your heart and you know in your knower, you know that this is God. Quit beating people up with scriptures and judging them because you this and that. Just learn how to shut your mouth and be quiet and be empathetic and, 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 and know that God's got this. You can't change nobody anyway. Quit trying to change people. Only God can change them, praise God. You're always trying to put somebody on your potter's wheel. You can't change nobody. You trust God. You trust God will change them. I'm going to sow the seed. I'm going to water, but he's going to give the increase. And leave them alone. Quit trying to beat them up. Quit trying to play the Holy Ghost police every time somebody ain't doing stuff like you say doing. 
I ain't got no more time, so just listen to me what I'm saying. Quit doing that, praise God. Learn how to walk in love. Learn how to trust God. Learn and understand that God's going to make it all right. God's going to change their heart. God's going to change their situation. They can, be a, they can be a bunch of hellions right now, but God is the one that can reach down in the middle of their party and touch their heart and change their lives, and they'll come up giving God the praise because you trust God. He'll take care of your children. He'll take care of your husband. He'll take care of your wife. He is committed to our care. And that's all I got to say. Now, I want to, uh, I'm not going to give you no test. I want you to test yourself. I want to receive an offering. Not for me. I ain't charged none. I ain't come here. I ain't doing nothing. I put my own gas in the tank and no. No, 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 no. In fact, God told me from now on, if you go to any church in the United States, you don't charge a dime. Not for hotel, not for nothing. I ain't doing that. He said, I want to show you how you can trust me. I want you to pray about a seed you can sow. Well, we already took an offering one time. We got to take another one up too. Uh-oh, love of money. You ought to be shouting you get another opportunity. It don't happen every Sunday. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. People can come and sit on the Word, and they can hear Scripture all day long. And then when it's time to activate it, yes. then we see how deep that Scripture got. Because it had no root in itself, trouble came took it all away and there was no harvest. It, it, it's kind of rough to listen to what I said today and <laughs> try to figure out, is this really going to happen? I'm telling you, it's already started. I know some stuff that's on the way right now. You don't know right now. I got privileged information. <laughs> it's on the way. And the systems that you've always trusted in, those things are dying, dead, and won't exist no more. This time next year, you're going to be shocked of the number of things that have changed in how we do what we need to do. And saved folks are not to miss a beat because we trust God. So we say. But now I see why God mentioned that as many times he did in the Bible. He says, they don't even know what the love of money is. And money controls their emotions. Mammon does. Mammon controls their emotion. Mammon controls their decisions. Mammon controls their life. Mammon is responsible for their divorces. Mammon was responsible for slavery in this country. Ain't nowhere, nowhere written. Nowhere written where slavery was was God's idea. Well, the apostle Paul said, yeah, but you should have read the whole story. Paul said it there because he didn't know enough. 
Then he went and he dealt with Onesimus. He says, receive Onesimus as a brother and no longer a slave. It was mammon-driven. Slavery was mammon-driven. A lot of stuff that's going on now is mammon-driven. Go to New York. Go to Washington. It's mammon-driven. Take the bag away from them, and ain't nobody interested in it no more. Take a seat. I'm gone. I'm, I'm finna get out of here. Somebody said, good. <laughs> I, that's, that's all right. I love you. Somebody treating me bad is just an opportunity for me to forgive them. That's all. To grow and to practice what I say I believe. Amen. Amen. 